winter blade breezes was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Bamboo's and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collinwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. What's good, ladies and germs? Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. It's your boy Elijah here, and I'm, of course, joined as always by Josh, the co-host with the most, oh. who likes to eat toast. I'm always down for a good roast. Oh, yeah. See, sometimes I can brag, and sometimes I can boast. This is this is this is what people are tuning in for. This Absolutely. Right here. Uh, a cipher, Absolutely. as we call it in the streets. Um, yeah, uh, Josh, uh, how are you, man? That's right. I'm doing well, man. It's it's crazy weather. It's um, I'm about an hour southwest of Portland, where it is snowing like a mug up there, and we're getting no snow down here. It's mm. wild. There's nothing. I look outside. There's nothing. Um, but the school districts are telling me all three of my kids' campuses are going to be delayed two hours tomorrow due to icy roads. So, soccer aside, that's my personal life. I got the kids. I got the weather. Hopefully, my dogs are quiet. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, it's cold in Tucson, too. It's uh, highs of 56. And then it'll, it'll get up to 66 on Friday and then 72 mm-hmm. on Saturday. So, um, super cold here freezing actually yeah uh no no we're good we're good uh just ripped a uh, xfl game uh for work on this past sunday the old san antonio brahmas and let me tell you what an experience that was the old xfl so i'll I'll keep everyone updated on on uh whether or not they should pay attention to that league um i vote maybe not um but (laughs) but i'm I'm getting paid so I, i can't complain um, all right, yeah, real quick, quick plugs. Uh, follow us on socials. Um, I, I w- the uh, words. Um, there's there's some talk from the SB Nation side about the future of where like podcasts are going to be hosted. So I will follow up with them. Um, it should again, it shouldn't affect everyone like in how to find this podcast. It might be a slightly different name, but. I'm pretty sure as long as you type in CHN radio, everything should still uh, come up, but just there, there could be like a weird week where um, the podcast shows up kind of looking weird or things are out of order and we'll get it sorted, but just letting everyone know that's coming down the road. Cause I think the transition's coming at some point in February. Um, but yeah, again, follow us on the socials to stay in tune at coming AFC at CHN underscore podcast. Be sure to check out the site. Um, we're getting a lot of pretty sick uh, pieces getting up there. Uh, our, our boy Antonio has been writing a bit. Uh, Graham Bell, of course, is always writing stuff. And um, there's some some new names on here that I, I don't know. Like there's a guy named Kay Herter who just is writing articles. And I haven't, he's not in the Slack. He or she, they're not in the Slack, but they're writing articles and they're good. So, um, yeah, check them out for sure. Check out all the pieces. Our boy Mirza, who is a is a long time uh like CHN guy who 
I think he's in med school. Um, mm. Just absolute beast. Uh, he's back in the fold doing player ratings. So the, we're we're hemming and hum, hawing. Is that what they say? Hemming and hawing. I don't know. I'll take I it. I feel like I should know that. I feel like it's a southern thing. Um, but yeah, so pretty straightforward episode for us today. We're gonna hit some news. We're gonna hit some uh, re- review that Liverpool match. Uh, that Liverpool match. Josh, I don't think he knows about me, but I absolutely despise this trend in British media especially covering um, the world's beautiful game where uh, they go, remember that goal at Arsenal? Like, that's like such a, I don't know if you've seen this and maybe, I mean, it's, it's hmm. been a, that I've been annoyed about for years, but that's something you now know about me. Just, just so you okay. know. I just hate, I hate, when, I hate when they skip a noun modifier or like a, you know, um, I had to go to hospital. Oh Yeah. The or like hospital, just like, or they'll a say hospital? like, or like fifty pound. It's like, no, it's not fifty pounds. Yeah, it's fifty pounds. It's not. But 50 we call pounds. but to be fair, we call it math, and they call it maths, so they pluralize that. Yeah, but that sounds stupid. So, um, but <laughs> do they say arithmetics as well? I don't know, but they say Ugh. A to Z. Ugh. <laughs> we're we're in, shed in, we're shedding listeners by yeah. the second controversy there's another one but yeah well we're we're speaking pure controversy yeah there you go um but yeah so we'll talk about that liverpool match or and that red card and that goal that was scored well goals that were scored and then we'll we'll preview the uh cup final so should be a fun show um let's get into it with the news um unfortunately we briefly touched on the possibility this could happen in the Mm. last episode but uh, former Newcastle forward or winger uh, Christian Atsu's body was found amongst the rubble um, in the earthquakes that have taken countless lives in Turkey and Syria. Uh, a, a lot of people are weighing in. Uh, former players are, of course, posting pictures. Uh, current players who played with Christian Atsu, there are still a few on the team, uh, have, have spoken out. Um, Eddie Howe, who coached him at Bournemouth, I want to say, yes, Bournemouth, he... He had a statement that he released uh, ahead of the match. Uh, Rafa Benitez uh, spoke about it as well on Sky. So a lot of different people have weighed in on Christian. Um, from all accounts, uh, he was definitely known as a really just genuinely nice guy. Uh, he leaves behind his wife and children who were at the Newcastle match um, against Liverpool, where there was a moment of silence that ended up being a, a standing ovation, followed by Liverpool fans uh, singing essentially to it's actually a really heart touching moment. It's essentially singing to uh, Christian Atsu's remaining family members, uh, "You'll never walk alone." So, uh, again, incredibly sad news, uh, Josh. Mm. I don't know if you have anything to to add. I don't know if you have a, a Christian Atsu memory or anything like that. Um, just you know, there was just this a, a couple of seasons there where he was. There was a lot of there was a lot of upside and hope for him as a player, as a, as a dynamic winger, lots of exciting play. He was sort of the, uh, Saint Maxima of his time, you know, um, on the pitch, off the pitch by all accounts, um, a quiet man, a humble man attended church every single week. Uh, I believe there was a church very nearby St. James's park that he went to. I forget the name of it, but um, you know, people who attended church with him said he was very humble. He was there, um, 
for his religion and not to be seen, but, you know, to listen. Uh, it's very humbling when somebody, uh, it, you know, behaves in such a, a positive um, and respectful manner. He also was um, a huge contributor to uh, a, a charity, um, a, a really good, I can't remember the name of the charity. What I'll do is I'll, I'll um, share the link with you and maybe we can put the link up if people yeah, want to donate sure. to uh, the Red One. The Red Cross would be a great place. They're doing good things in Syria and Turkey, helping all the people there that are suffering um, from the tragic earthquakes, but also uh, a charity that Christian Atsu regularly gave to. I think it was like arms around the children or something like that. He was a huge believer in helping children and just loving on families and giving back to the community oftentimes would give more than, um, the, you know, I think just gave, gave a lot of himself. So uh, a, a selfless person and uh, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, just him as a player. I think one thing that I definitely always respect with, with players is, there is a propensity, I guess, nowadays in in a lot of sports of once you once you are no longer, you know, I guess playing as consistently as as possible, or you're no longer the guy. the the first The first action from someone is is usually to immediately like want out. And I think the most the easiest example is uh, like Alan Say Maxman has been rumored to leave. He has not even confirmed this. No one's actually said it. But people have just assumed that since he has gotten less playing time this year, that he's going to ask for a transfer request. You know, he he was going to ask for one in January. He's going to ask for one in in the summer. But uh, I will say this about Christian. He had he he was probably one of our best players this season. We went down to the championship. Uh, A huge reason why we made it back up to the prem. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm not going to cut corners. I'll, I'll say he that was probably like the best one of his best seasons of his career. I'm not going to be like the championship was his level, but when he moved to the Prem, he became a serviceable like depth piece. And he really leaned into that role, never complained, did whatever was asked of him, whether he was playing uh, three matches over the course of five months, or if he was, he had, he was called in action to, to start every single match for, for two straight months. He just purely was there to support the team in the best way he can and had a very like, quiet exit no no big like i need to leave i want to leave blah blah blah. no transfer requests just Mm -hmm. when it was time for him to move on he moved on and he uh he he's been that sort of player everywhere he's been um whether it was in the lone army at chelsea not complaining whether he was when whether it was when he was at bournemouth whether he when he was at newcastle um and of course with his his team he was with in turkey as well um We'll move on and get into a little bit, some lighter news. Josh, can you give us an update on the women's team? Yeah, Newcastle United women, uh, 2,129 in attendance at Kingston Park Stadium for the Tyne Tees Derby. They defeated Middlesbrough 2-0 with goals in the 74th minute by Casey Elson and the 78th minute by Becky Ferguson. Uh, the match took place yesterday as we record on a Wednesday evening. Um, they hit the crossbar four additional times and the post twice. So uh, the attack was on. They have they have been known to score buckets of goals in single matches. So it looked like they were they were definitely lit for this one. Um, they're even on matches played with Durham Sestria at fourteen apiece, but they are behind by a single point out of first place. They have eight matches left. They play on March fifth. Next versus Leeds, 
who are in sixth place. And I was trying to look for the previous result versus Leeds and realized that that is the match that has been or does remain postponed. So they still have two matches technically versus Leeds. Durham play the previously mentioned Norton and Stockton Ancients, which you were so fond of. Their name. Not a real club. Not a real club. I've I've not well. seen evidence that they exist. <laughs> they play tomorrow, um, right around noontime Pacific. Um, then they host Chorley on the weekend. So fingers crossed they drop points. Um, if they can drop a couple of points and Newcastle can beat Leeds, Newcastle will leapfrog them into the playoff or into the promotion uh, position uh, in the table. With yeah. just a just a handful of matches left, so, and don't like, forget we strengthened and brought in you know great players from divisions yeah. above. So hopefully that that lends itself to uh, a positive experience for the Newcastle women. Uh, moving on, got some more news, some smaller bits of news, but news nonetheless. A couple of exits. Uh, first one that people probably had on their radar. Um, it was still a bit odd. Uh, but Chris Wood officially is a Nottingham Forest player, and Newcastle officially have 15 million pounds. Uh, Fabrizio Romano, uh, the great Fab, has reported that mm-hmm. after playing in his third match, in which for Nottingham Forest, in which Chris Chris Wood uh, scored the uh, match tying goal against Manchester City, so actually a pretty big result for for Forest, uh, picking up a point against a team that on paper they should not pick up any points against. Uh, Chris you know, again, scored in 84th minute, so big deal for him. But him playing in that match uh, secured a 15 million pound move uh, to Nottingham Forest. So he's no longer technically on loan there. He's just a full-fledged player. So congrats to him. I think Josh and I were talking about this. The most surprising thing about that is that the stipulation to make it permanent was literally just three appearances, which is absolutely bananas to me. Like, it's just like, I thought that it was going to add a minimum be like, oh, you know, 10 appearances out of the 20 something that are left or whatever, or it was going to be some, not 20 something, probably like 18 left, 10 appearances or seven yeah. appearances no. or like, two, you know, <laughs> avoid relegation. It was just straight up like, all right, he, if he plays three matches, he's officially a player. So yeah, it's almost like they really meant it. Yeah. They were, it, was, <laughs> it should have just been a straight up buy at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah but really yeah, should've. so I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Josh. It's pretty- I, I don't know how the wacky transfer market works. Maybe there was a, um, a, maybe there was a minimum amount of players that had to be on loan for a certain amount of time to qualify for domestic players on the roster for X amount of months. I don't know. There's stuff like that. That, that sounds made sort- up. It, it does, but you, you never know what sort of qualifications the FA puts up that they have to meet these domestic requirements. Um, so, you know. That's true. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the other one is a bit is a bit under the radar, but honestly, I think it's a good sign uh, for the club. It's weird to say that an exit is a good sign for the club, but Mark Leyland is leaving the club at the end of the season. Uh, you may be asking, who is that? Who is Mark Leyland? He is an he is an assistant coach right now. Um, he's an analyst. He's the chief analyst for Eddie House staff. Uh, first team coach analyst is his official title. Uh, he joined in December of 2021 uh, and really helped Newcastle transform into the side that they are now. He's been credited with a lot of work behind the scenes alongside the rest of the coaching staff. 
and really really helping transform the play style of the team in specifics. Uh, he worked with Jurgen Klopp for eight years at Liverpool, which is his boyhood club, and Man City have decided to poach him um, with, I'm assuming, a nice pay increase, and he will join Pep Guardiola's staff. So it's pretty cool that, one, Newcastle were able to poach someone away from a really good coaching staff, and then almost – you know, literally a little over a year, a little over a couple years later, um, able to grab someone, uh, uh, sorry, enabled. Wow. I can't speak. And a little over a few years later, able to have someone be poached from their staff. It kind of means that you're doing it right on the recruitment side, as well as like making sure that you have the right people in place that are deemed attractive to other clubs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the next step for me would be, uh, to be untouchable, you know, where where city calls up and says, "Hey, we want Mark Leland," and we're like, "Now nah, we'll match his pay. Never mind, go away." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it has to be like a, a a move. I think whatever his role is with City Group, it it must be something that's like going to make him like have a better title. I don't know what that would mean. Yeah, yeah, maybe an increase I mean, in pay, but yeah, you're right. Responsibility. I mean, if you're you to me, self betterment and seeking more responsibility, kind of are as, well, making sure my family's taken care of and my paycheck is as good as I can get it is nice, but yeah. seeking responsibility and um, furthering my career are definitely, you know, so I'm sure, I'm sure Mark was thinking the same way and, and we'll see what city offers him. We'll find out eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, and and I'm also, in like, in speaking of just moves like that, um, I think the, the Athletic pointed this out as well, but there was also, like, you know, considering a guy that's untouchable from an organization where you don't really see people leaving often, uh, uh, Paul Midgley is the head of youth youth recruitment at Newcastle now, and he came from Manchester City, where mm-hmm. he was a a northern, uh, just a northern U- United Kingdom like scouting manager. So that was a hey, I know you're in probably one of the best you know youth recruitment teams in the world, you know, building one of the better academies in the world. And he got the call to essentially get a promotion and oversee the entire youth recruitment process at Newcastle. So you don't want to assume like there's not a lot known of what, you know, the new role will be for uh, Leyland. But you'd hope that it's a a promotion for him and obviously much deserved. Uh, And then some other some other some other bits Uh, Frazier. Ryan Frazier has apparently been demoted to U21 training. Dang. Uh, So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the beginning of the end. It's all rumors, yeah. but uh, there's there's some pictures of him in in <laughs> at U twenty one training. So uh, maybe maybe not a complete rumor. And then um, a couple more bits of things. The Daily Mail had a very odd exclusive as we get into cup season. Yeah, I heard you giggling oh, as you were adding this to the running order. Cup so final I'm, season. I'm curious. Uh, this is again, in case you were wondering. Newcastle will not have an open top bus parade if they lose the Carabao Cup final. Oh, good to know. It was it was confirmed by Craig Cope. He has a source at the club. Uh, and the article is actually really funny because it points out the fact that in both 1998 and 1999, uh, and in 99, Newcastle, of course, lost to uh, to Manchester United in the FA Cup final. In 98, they lost to Arsenal in the FA Cup final. They had a straight-up parade afterwards. And uh, like thousands of people flocked to this parade. It was an open top bus parade. And it just says like the pictures are hilarious. It just says FA Cup finalists 1999. And the team's like on top of the bus 
and there's like literally you can see there's thousands of people in the streets and uh the article even goes on to talk about how i guess they reached out to alan shearer um about it and this is what he said knows to the bbc uh Alan Shearer spoke out on those parades felt in the late, late 90s. He says, it was like, do we really have to do a parade the next day? Just cancel it. We haven't got an FA Cup to show off. We did an open-top bus parade after being beaten twice in the Cup Finals, and you think, how fucking stupid is this? But it shows how desperate <laughs> Newcastle fans are for success because there were hundreds of thousands of fans from Gosforth Park to the Civic Center. It was unbelievable, absolutely outrageous, and then we had to say thanks to the Civic Center. It was embarrassing. So, I love him. It's, it, I mean, it's, it is absurd that, uh, that was even, you know, on the table, uh, but Newcastle will have a parade if they win, it'll be the following Tuesday. Um, okay. Josh, so go ahead and book your, uh, your flight. I will. Um, yeah. I just, I'm on my I just, way. I'm looking at the Delta prices right now. Um, it's, uh, Outrageous. I won't be there. I, w- I won't be there, but I'm okay. sure you, you got it like that. Well, I uh, thought I was going to use my big paycheck from, um. My last paycheck that we got for our podcast. So yeah, the, the, the twenty five dollars. Yeah, we're we're living <laughs> large over here. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's hop into a uh, let's hop into probably one of the weirder oh. uh, reviews we're gonna do of the year. Uh, it's 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 gonna be pretty top heavy. We'll leave it at that. Um, Newcastle lost to Liverpool this past weekend. Um, in uh, what I would not call a match of the day uh, type match, no. uh, it uh, it that was, was fucking bullshit. Yeah, th- yeah. Can I cuss on this? We don't owe yeah. anybody anything now, do yes. we? Yes, yes. No, we we could cuss before. I I said this. I fuck okay. shit, shit, fuck, damn hell. Yeah, it's a different one. Look, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you. I know you're going to go over the lineups, but like, God, I said it. I hate this team. <laughs> this is this is like our, our boogeyman, right? This is the this is the, we have not beat this team in so long. It's like what the fuck, yeah. and um, and I checked out, man. Like after the first twenty minutes, oh, what the fucking goddamn? Well, I mean, it was literally. I mean, the, yeah, you could have checked out. Uh, it was it was such a weird match. Uh, yeah. I, like I it, there, it, yeah, I I don't even know. Um, all right, so. Real quick, uh, so if you were living underneath the rock, Newcastle lost to Liverpool to nil at home. We did talk about the pre-match uh, stuff that happened, so there's no real. There, we're not going to go back into it, but definitely a very emotional um, and I class. Think- like I, I know I slagged off their supporters, but I'm just talking yeah, no, about but, their yeah. their social media, their social media whiners. But I mean, honestly, like that's a class. That's class for no, them. It was, it, was, it was great. It, it yeah. reminded me of something Newcastle fans would do, honestly. And, and like when I say I, I hate them, it's, it's just in a sporting sense. I don't actually hate any any human yeah, being involved I, yeah, here. I, was you say, get I, it. I have okay. plenty of Liverpool friends. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I, the ones I hate are the Chelsea fans. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, OK, so to, to set the scene, uh Liverpool, we we discussed this not doing particularly well. Um, Newcastle, of course, without Bruno G uh, and also without uh, Joe Ellington, um, with uh, not Joe Ellington, Joe Willock. I, I, there's two right. Joes uh, who was in, who came off injured in, in the previous match, and so uh, Josh and I discussed potential ways Newcastle could line up. Um, yeah. And we, I think, I had mentioned maybe doing a back five, or I think we talked about a four-two-three-one. Um, what Newcastle did was they didn't change their system and they played the kids. Uh, it was very, 
uh, interesting. Uh, Newcastle went with their normal back line of Pope, Trippier, Chair, Botman, Byrne. And then, of course, their normal front three that they've been starting with Callum Wilson also on the mend. Uh, he ended up making an appearance later on, but he was like kind of questionable as in terms of fitness. Almiron, uh, Alexander Isak, and Alan Maxman started. And then uh, Sean Longstaff and Joelinton in the midfield with Elliot Anderson playing as an eight. Um, so it was actually quite intriguing. I was I was looking forward to seeing, you know, how young Elliot Anderson would do in a full Premier League debut. Like he was going to have, like he was, uh, was I mean, I, I'm not going to say he would, I'm not going to like cut corners. I think he would probably would have played a full 90 given the fact no one was available and there's no risk really uh, in, in uh, playing him the full 90 since he's likely not going to play in the cup final. So um, it was interesting from, from Newcastle's perspective. We also talked about Liverpool having injuries of their own. Uh, they went with Darwin Nunez up top with Cody Gakpo and Mo Salah. Uh, I cannot say this kid's name, but Stefan Bjektic, uh, yeah, right. like Yeah. He wears like 43 for them. Uh, they just pull out like these youth kids out of a hat and they end up playing Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. Uh, and then they had Andy Robertson, uh, Van Jaik, Gomez, and Alexander Arnold as their back four with Allison in, in the net. So uh, I will say uh, we have a few three words, and I think you've already said your your stuff. But Eric Schmidt in UFC Indiana would shout out to him and his wife, who they both are listeners to this show. Uh, his wife is going to be inducing labor during the Cup final, so uh, shout out to them uh, because they might have a child soon. So. Okay. Big shouts to them. Um, he says regressing to the mean, and then Mile High Jordy, a longtime friend of the program, says, "Is it 1996?" Um, Josh, mm. I know you summed up your initial thoughts already. Is there anything else you want to add on before we get? Yeah. Into no, I mean, uh, first off, congratulations. I'm a father. Yeah. Love my kids. Pain in the butt sometimes, but it's all good. Um, so congratulations and, and and well done, well done you. Um, my first three words that I was going to offer to you on the weekend were uh, things fall apart. And mm. it was just, I felt like there was a plan in place. The first 20 minutes, um, okay, I will backtrack all the way to the first few minutes. The first few minutes, you know, Isaac and St. Maximon started really well. I mean, it was a spirited yeah. beginning. Almiron had an early chance. Same accident, def- early chance. Yeah, and they're, they're, the defense is cutting out passes. They're picking pockets. It looked like Newcastle was there to fight. They had the crowd behind them. It it was going to go the way we thought it was going to go. Um, and then things fell apart, and a, a, as they can, against a bogey team. And uh, the next 20 minutes were horrendous. And then the, and then the game went back to what it was. <laughs> it was, like, okay. It was okay. just, yeah. yeah. I will say, yes, Liverpool bogey team, sure. I will also say, like, it is imperative. And, like, we did talk about this before. Yes, Liverpool have been not good this season. But by all accounts, given the talent they have, they have been underperforming this season. Mm -hmm. This is a good reminder of, like, oh, yes, there are good players on this team. (laughs) Like, Trent Alexander-Arnold probably has had his best match of of the year. Um like in this match. And it's like, yes, it's only a couple years ago when people were saying this guy was contending to be one of the best fullbacks in the world. And it's like, that was on display. Like in uh, early on, he got the actual opening assist, perfectly yeah. weighted ball into Darwin Nunez, who brilliant, you know, people wanted to make fun of that transfer, but he's actually been pretty good for Liverpool. Once he uh, uh, Darwin. Him. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a guy that couldn't find he he couldn't hit the 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 broadside of a barn. You, yeah, to, you know, to begin the season, and but I think six he just goals and three assists. So. Yeah, he's he's um he's on the run. He's 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 doing really well. He's a, what a flyer too. Um, he's exciting to watch. I, is Liverpool? They got another one, man. They do it. They they bring in they 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 score home runs with their transfers. They do a good job there. So. And as um, much as Klopp complains about their lack of spending and oh, not fuck it, man, they, they spend money. But but they yeah, and of course they spend money. But and for the most part, they don't have flops. Like it just it's no. it's like it's like all right, dude. Like I get it. And to that point, uh, I will say this: Klopp did commend Eddie Howe pre-match on the job he's done in Newcastle and said it had nothing to do with the money. Um, which is actually, it was refreshing to hear him admit that. Before the match. Yeah, no, again, it was before the match. And also, like, at that point, I should have known we were going to lose. Because he was was not complaining. He wasn't complaining at all. He was like, oh, this team as well. Eddie Howe's done a great job. Like, you know, you know, funds yeah. aside, like whatever. But but um, on the in, yeah. on the inside on the inside, he's like, but I have a plan. I'm going to switch up the way we do a few things. I, I you know the the way that Arnold pass had that brilliant pass right over the top, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a through a through pass over the top where Darwin receives the ball and finishes. It was a brilliant finish, but it was a great pass. Okay, but in the 17th minute, there's another floated pass into the middle of the attacking play. Um, you know, and, and I just, I kind of felt like this was uh, devised and planned. It was a kind of a way to attack Newcastle's back line that maybe they haven't seen. It was like, okay, well, if they could cut out passes on the ground, but let's attack them with through passes right over the top, you know, and it, and it worked until maybe they figured it out, but it worked enough to give them the two goals. Um, yeah. and I want to go into something too. Okay. Um, Liverpool played against Real Madrid just days later. Liverpool went up two goals early. The same type of attack. A brilliant, dynamic, like fluid attack, spirited. Went up 2-0 on Real Madrid. And Real Madrid shut the shit down and fought back. And And they scored five five goals unanswered and beat Liverpool five to two. Right. What is the key difference between Liverpool coming out, scoring too early on us and Liverpool coming out, scoring too early on Real Madrid. We're years away from being a team that has enough composure and players of, of stature that can fight back that way, but we will be there. Yeah. I would also contend that, I I will say, and we'll get into this in a second, I would say this, and I would argue the Liverpool offside blog who, like, we get we get into it every so often, but they're really good guys over there, and, like, like again, we love to hate them because they're Liverpool fans, and they are pretty annoying online. But, I mean, if that if that's an 11v11 match, Newcastle ties that at a minimum. Yeah, that's what I was – yeah. I, mean, I was hoping you'd go so into it, the – the reason, what is the significant difference here? It's the it's the next event in yeah. this series of unfortunate events. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so like Josh said, that goal came uh, via Gakpo. Again, a uh, great player, uh, great composure. That was a weird one where it it felt like the center backs were just completely split, way yeah. too far apart. It was it, like you said, backline exploited. 
Um, and a fun fact, uh, I, I had forgot to say this after the first goal, but Liverpool are actually, uh, they've won every single match this season in the Prem where they've scored first. So that's interesting. Uh, Sick. Cool. Yeah, Good for yeah. them. Fuckers. Yeah. So um, we're getting into it. Uh, and then the 22nd minute, this is all happening in the first 22 minutes. So yeah. like, yeah. it's very frantic. Like, I mean, even, even in between the two goals, there was attacks going down both ends, uh, you know, so it was very back and forth. And so it honestly, even though Liverpool had scored two, it did feel up until this moment that, that Newcastle could easily get back into this match. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was actually texting a Manchester United friend because Allison had almost had, had come out really like come out super early for a ball. And it was like, a, it, he was like, man, Allison, he's so aggressive off his line. I'm surprised no one chips. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I was like, yeah, you know, Nick Pope's really aggressive on his line as well. It's like, I, it's so They're wild. Similar. That, yeah. It's like, it's so wild that hasn't hurt us at all this season so far. And literally as soon as I sent that text, Red card for Newcastle. Dun, dun, Nick Pope dun, dun. tried to come and do the sweeper keeper thing and cut mm. out a through ball that was over the top, deep through ball over the top. And he like completely whiffs on clearing it. And it's Salah's right there in front of him. So he kind of falls on top of the ball, mm-hmm. kind of trying to, it, it felt like in the moment, like maybe he's doing this thing where he's like, all right, you know, if I fall on this ball and it doesn't hit my hands, maybe it doesn't get called as a handball, but of course he falls on it and it hits his hands. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's always a red. Uh, I don't understand. There are Newcastle fans trying to be like, he wasn't the last man back. Oh, that doesn't matter. I'm sorry. If you're a keeper and you have a handball, like literally 20 yards away from goal, it's, it's, it's literally well, it's a red every single time. And, and Pope, I don't think Pope had much to argue. He knew it. No, I mean, he no, he like, literally like before they even pulled out the card, he was he was undoing his gloves and walking the pitch. Like yeah, he, he just, knew he what tossed he, his hands up. He knew what yeah, he had done. As soon as he he felt the ball touch his hand, he knew it's going to be a red. Um, yeah. And again, I don't know if if the intent was, hey, I'm going to take this red for the team and we can get back into it, which. Mm almost worked and like because he's like you know i don't know like having faith that the back line would not allow another goal or if he's like you know maybe if i fall on it and it doesn't touch my hands it'll just be off my body and i would have at least like smothered it and you know i don't know what his process was i think you know what i think it just short hopped on him and when he got up you could see if you go back and rewatch this he still has like an imprint of the ball's seam on his face and I think funny. he had just sort of like misjudged the ball. I mean, he was going to, he was trying to head it away. As far as I could tell, he was trying to head it away. Right. And he, yeah. he lands face first on the ball instead. And it's, and it, and it, and it rolls under him and his instincts take over. And he's kind of dazed too at this moment. Like the ball hits the ground at the same time his head hits that. You know what I mean? And so he's yeah. just sort of out of it for just a split second. And it's that split second that counts. I'm not even mad at him. Like shit happens. He was trying to do something, it didn't work out. He's made a mistake. I feel mostly just gutted for him that he's going to miss the cup final because of that. Um, and I hope that he didn't go home that night and think we lost his game because of me, because those goals that were scored were scored before he made that mistake. You know, yeah. it was just, it was one of those matches that, yeah. uh, that it could happen. It, it, it just, and, and the whole thing, like I said, things fall apart. But the team stitched it back together again, and and I just really felt like within within minutes, yeah, within of, minutes of, of Nick going off, 
the team had figured it out. And it was, it's just a shame. It's a shame that they had 15, 20 minutes of absolute disaster. Yeah. Uh, And so just to quickly sum up the events that happened after that. um, So of course, Nick Pope is immediately sent off. There's no even need for VAR. Um, It's just like, you know, you see the replay a thousand times. Like again, the only people who didn't think it was a red card were, the weird Newcastle Twitter people who have literally never played organized football in their life. <laughs> uh, so it was just those people. Uh, other than that, uh, Dubrovka came on. So uh, just wonderful time to make a reappearance with the club in the prem. Um, he actually came on and did really well. Uh, all things considered, not even all well, things considered. Like he had a good match. Like it was he's like, a good oh, keeper. Yeah. yeah. It was like, Oh yeah. It's you know, this guy Dubrovka. He's, he's actually, yeah, he's good. Um, so he actually immediately made a save um, and ended up with a few saves. Uh, and like Josh alluded to, uh, we're talking Nick Pope sent off in the 22nd minute. By the time Dubrovka is called into action, it's like the 24th, 25th minute. 31st minute, Newcastle literally uh, put a shot on goal and forced Allison to make a save. ASM cut in from the inside um, as well. And then 10 minutes later, off of a corner, uh, Newcastle looked really dangerous off of set pieces this whole match uh, for sure. Uh Dan Byrne rises up to the occasion Mm -hmm. and uh, he heads one off the bar. And uh, again, a couple more opportunities for Newcastle, some dangerous movement from Liverpool, but it was just like for them, it kind of regressed back to what we saw in the Real Madrid match, as well as what we've seen throughout the season of like, just like really weird mental lapses, bad balls. Like there was one where I think Salah was in like one V one and he just like slipped and ran out of room. Like, a lot of stuff like that that's happened this season where I'm not sure if you want to blame discipline or if you want to blame like the players or I don't know who you want to blame for it, but just a lot of really weird stuff um, for sure. But going into half, uh, Newcastle down to nothing, but literally right before half, like Almiron could have scored. So it's a very weird situation yeah. in which you're kind of wondering uh, the, the, the question we've asked a lot this season, how have we not scored? Um, and at this point, I just think it, we're we're cursed. I don't even know if it's like caliber of player or whatever, because you're seeing like moments of individual brilliance from from in, from players. But like, I don't know. Like, Allison Maxman did everything right in that moment and curled the shot into like the the top right hand corner. But Allison was just there for the save. Like, he did, but he can. didn't. So I w- I also saw that slightly different. I saw ASM was forcing a situation, and he had limited support. Uh, he's cutting in uh, against the grain, but there were defenders there. And yeah. I just, he, he just hard charges the box. And I think that really worked out for him when he was the only one a couple you know, for a couple years, but it, it, and maybe in a different, in a different scenario where we weren't short a player, um, you know, when Anderson Anderson had to come off to make, to make way, yeah. you know, for Dubrovka. Uh, and so now we're short uh, an outfielder. Um, you know, and I think that's where we're hurting because, you know, if there was one more, if there was one more person making a late run, if we had Bruno who could have controlled the tempo instead of ASM just running wild, like a lot of people praised Alon for his, his work rate, but I felt like he was, he could have held the ball or looked for runners. There were two, there were two players that came into view in that highlight that if he was just, if he would just slow it down and wait, 
Um, but again, I'm not playing in that situation. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not I, pressing for that goal. I'm I'm it, just observing highlights, you know. And and it's so much easier. Like I remember watching it real time, and it's so much easier when you've got the full. Like we're looking at it from a different angle. In that moment, ASM is seeing like literally three defenders in the in the box, and yeah. he's one v one with someone. And yes, Isak is making a run in the box. Could ASM have played an Isak? For sure, but you need a hell of a ball to get to Isak in time. Like, I mean, yeah. seven times out of ten, that's clear. And yeah, maybe it, it gets to him and maybe he gets a shot off. But again, like, the highest percentage opportunity there is trying to put it on target, in my opinion. And yes, it does seem selfish at the time. And yes, it does seem in line with, like, what ASM has done. But in that situation, in that moment in particular, I completely understood it. The commentator is like, oh, yeah, Miguel Amaron coming in. D- dude, I mean, I didn't even see Miguel Amaron on the uh, literally the exact far side of the pitch. Now you're you're asking someone to play a ball, cro- cross field switch yeah. at, 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 during a full sprint. It's like, all right, you're that asking pace, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're asking a lot uh, of, of a player. He had to so. have a third eyeball in the back of his head to see the runner coming from behind him. no there's it's not it's not it's not playing fifa the video game it's yeah. it's a guy that's really out there playing and he's doing his he's he's playing his, his hardest he's doing the best he can um i just felt like so you know to kind of go all the way back to why i had mentioned the real madrid game the significant difference between the outcome of newcastle and liverpool versus liverpool real madrid i felt like at the end had we had all of our players out there had not this been uh, there had not been that disastrous Nick Pope error. Um, there were goals to be had. There was one player short in rotation. There was one runner sh- one runner shy of a scenario where we get that goal back or we get two goals goals back. And it was it's a shame that it went the way it did. But season's not over yet. Oh yeah, we're still no, having a great over. we're still having a great season. I wish we could have picked up points against Liverpool, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and we're in a cup final. We're in a cup final. It's like, and I think that's part of it. Was there was some doom and gloom, but I think you have to be encouraged with one how well Newcastle still played throughout the the rest of the match. I think um, again to keep a, a ten man clean sheet is what I'll call it. That is impressive given the quality of attackers on the pitch for Liverpool. You're mm-hmm. talking about a front line that's worth damn near half a billion. Like that. That's, I mean, if not more. That that's really impressive what Newcastle were able to do, um, and I will say like, for all the slack that ASM did get, I think his decision making in this match was was I give it like a, a four stars out of five. Like yes, he didn't get every decision right, but given the given the situation Newcastle ran, uh, their best opportunities to score mostly came from set pieces, and if not, it was almost entirely the work of Alan C. Maxman whether he was the one who played the ball in or whether he was the one that shot uh, later on in the match, he played a really good ball into Alexander Isak and Isak hit it over the bar. So there is that. I like, I understand him. I it's, it's weird. I see it both ways of, I understand wanting ASM to, to play these balls more, but then I also am. I also see the, the, the point, the other perspective of, he does everything right in a moment, plays the perfect ball in, like on a platter for your 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 record signing striker, and he puts it over the bar. And it's like, all right, well, what else do you want me to do? I mean, he won right. a lot of free kicks, a lot of foul opportunities. 
And, you know, for lack of a better term, I mean, they, they were wasted. I mean, when you are down a man, when you're down in general and you win an opportunity to have a set piece, whether it's uh, one where it's shooting range or whether it's when you get to float in the ball, float, float a ball into the box or whatever, um, or if it's a corner and like say Maxman and I mean, the, the attackers, like I, I think they did their bit in trying to keep Liverpool off balance, really take advantage of the fact that Liverpool felt super comfortable playing uh playing a little bit more offensive and really exploiting the space in behind Liverpool attack. Like Newcastle were absolutely dangerous on counters. I mean, Liverpool were sending, you know, literally like nine guys up for corners and stuff and leaving like one guy back and Newcastle took advantage of that. And so all that to say, when you have these opportunities and you have set pieces and you don't take advantage of it, like that, that stings to me is that it felt like there were two or three goals that Newcastle could have scored in this match. And I'm sure if you're a Liverpool fan, there's you feel the same way. There was opportunities that Liverpool could have put this match away and we could have done the whole, like, let's bring on all the youth team guys in the 60th minute. Like, we could have done that, but Liverpool weren't as clinical as they should have been as well. So, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. Yeah. And then here's something I'll leave you with, Josh. Uh, okay. Just a quick stat. Um, stat of the day? Yeah, it's a stat of the day. Uh, Newcastle actually had two expected goals to Liverpool's 1.87. They so worked their tails off, man. That that lets you know the quality of chances that Newcastle were creating. And yeah, Absolutely. You should look at with expected goals. Don't don't look at it as, as, as we should have scored this many. It's about the quality of chances. And it's probably one of those was the ESAC ball that was like right put on a platter oh. for him. And then the other one was probably the, uh, the Dan Byrne header from – yeah, like six yards out where he hits the post. So I think Shar had Shar had a chance right around the fifty something. Yeah, he had uh, a chance off of another free kick as well. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So it it oh, I don't know I don't know how I feel about that after. I'm not upset. Yeah. I'm yeah, not upset. I, yeah, not. Upset. I'm moving on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I will say I did yell that I checked out. I was fl- I was flipping pancakes and making bacon for the first twenty minutes of that match. Man, I was in the kitchen when all of that happened. I had my wow. nephew over. I had my kids over. And I was like, don't change the channel. Don't they wanted to put on Mr. Beast? And I was like, don't put on YouTube. I want to watch this okay. game. Okay. All right. Well, we need to talk to your children about Mr. Beast. Come on. We could do better. Than that. <laughs> hey, philanthropy. No, and funny yes. videos. Philanthropy and tax write offs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You got to remember right. that's every, all the, it's great tax write Hey, the man knows the man's got a mean game. No, the man's got I, a mean I, game. I have to respect Mr. Beast though, uh, because I legitimately have no idea what he has done to become this famous, but I respect that he's all over all of my social medias. And I legitimately have no idea how he got famous. Like, was he a streamer? Is he just, was he doing prank videos? I, I don't know. Yes. So I, all of that. Yes. <laughs> he was, he was a punk. He was an introverted punk ass high schooler that made funny videos with his friends. He was crass and he was rude at first and still until he started making some funny, I think like Roblox or, or Minecraft videos caught on and just started making giveaway videos. And all of a sudden the money started flowing in. This isn't a, this isn't a podcast about Mr. Beast. The long story short, that's when I checked out about 20 minutes into that and um, I was so angry that I let them watch whatever they wanted to watch. And I had to come back to this game. Uh, I had to come back to this game a day later mm. because I was like, I, 
I thought we were going to be the ones that were going to score early and put the pressure on them and put their heads down. And I felt like I felt like the opposite happened. But then I had heard rumor had it that we turned it around and we played well. We didn't get the result we wanted, but we got the quality of play. And now I can attest to that. I went back and I rewatched it. It's great. My head's not down. We're going to move on. And we're gonna yeah. win. We're gonna win a handful of more games before the season is over, and we may not finish in the top four, but we're gonna finish. I think we're gonna finish right around where I said we were gonna finish, and um, and maybe we'll get Europe. And Europe, maybe we won't, but we're we're moving in the right direction as an organization. We're bringing in good players. We're we're, we're tweaking and and fine tuning the coaching staff. And we're re- and Newcastle United as a club are raising the spirits of the city of Newcastle. Um, it's a place where, damn it, I wish I could be. Fair. That's good. I, I didn't realize that was the end of your, I thought you were saying yeah. something else. Sorry, so, yeah. Call, call oh, me um, all right, so real quick, uh, do you have a player of the match? Um, anyone that you felt deserves a little do, bit of yeah. praise? Dubravka. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to give it to the I'm going to give it to the goalkeeper who came in on on very short notice uh off of a, a failed loan situation where he only played twice for Manchester United but now is is, is cup tied uh <laughs> and uh, and and he and he can't and he can't play in the upcoming uh, cup match. Um but did a great job, made some some great saves. And was uh, was gracious uh, in his post match interview, heaped praise on the club, the organization, uh, the city, and and uh, you know stated how how bad he felt for Nick Pope as well. So um, he's a, he's a gracious man and he's a good goalkeeper. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I go Alan St. Maxman. I just think uh, out of the, his return to uh, action, this probably, and I don't know if anyone would disagree. This is probably his best match that I've seen since he's returned to uh, to playing uh, full-time. Mm-hmm. I guess not playing full-time. I don't know if that was the right terminology. Um, so I, I'd give it to him just on the fact that I thought he this was the most dangerous he looked, and maybe that was just due to the circumstance. But to me, he even looked he looked dangerous even before Newcastle were down 10 men. He did. Uh, I think he, he has just finally sort of fit in and um, understands his role here. And I would be shocked if he does not start um, this uh, weekend against Manchester United. And then just real quick, quick update from the table. Um, Newcastle are in fifth, which is, you know, again, dropping down the table, but please do not be alarmed. They are one point behind Tottenham with a game in hand. Um, they have a game in hand on uh, all the teams above them, except for Arsenal. Uh, so there's still an opportunity for them to sneak right back into fourth place and continue on business as usual and finish in the top four. Uh, Liverpool uh, on 35 points with two games in hand uh, on everyone else around them. So they could actually make a late push for uh, European football as well. Um, and I think many thought in the Liverpool world that uh, they would qualify for Champions League via winning Champions League Not uh, likely. this th- this year. But uh, yeah, you know, they would they would need a uh, they would need Miracle. Real Madrid to, to sign uh, the Barcelona team that they came back on. Uh, a few years ago <laughs> in order for them to pull off a comeback bottom three is west ham leads r.i.p jesse marsh he's he's not dead he's just fired um and then southampton 
uh, who it's a very exciting uh, race at the bottom of the table with, uh, I think it's like three points between 15th or mm-hmm. no, three points between 16th and 20th uh, separate those teams. So, uh, and some weird ones down there, Everton, Bournemouth, West Ham, Leeds, Southampton, some mainstays in the prem in terms of Everton, Southampton and uh, West Ham and uh, Leeds and Bournemouth were pretty promising uh, and unfortunate to see them at the bottom of the table. But uh, let's get into it because Josh said, you know, maybe we sneak into Europe. I have one way we can guarantee Newcastle um, playing in European football next season, and that is if they win the League Cup. Um, Just win, baby. Yeah, just win. Uh, As we as we know, Newcastle will take on Manchester United this weekend um, for the League Cup final. Everyone will be uh, going down to London. Uh, It's very exciting times on Tyneside. I think uh, there's there's some there's some news that might come out later in the week, but I think there's going to be some watch parties hosted by the club around the city. I think at local bars or they're partnering with bars and stuff. So. Again, exciting times. Uh, there are there was a whole fiasco with getting tickets, but it turns out that ninety seven percent of the people going to Wembley on a Newcastle with a Newcastle ticket are Newcastle season ticket holders. So good for them. Um, and before we get into it, some quick notes: Nick Pope, of course, is suspended for this match, and I'm assuming the next two uh, Premier League matches as well uh, with a straight red. Uh, so he will miss the cup final. Um, as we've already mentioned, uh, Martin Dubrovka is cup tied. So some people are asking, did Manchester United loan in Martin Dubrovka just to play him and cup tie him in case they played Newcastle in the final? I don't know. People are asking. (laughs) Imagine, imagine the foresight. Yeah, that would just be like such a big brain move. Um, and Mark Gillespie, maybe not the, uh, not not your first choice to start a cup final. So they're going with the only uh, keeper on Newcastle's roster with cup final experience. Loris Karius is going to uh, be starting in net for Newcastle, uh, which I don't know if anyone remembers. The last time he was in a cup final, I think once Nick Pope got sent off, the jokes began to flow. Um, I know it's course, a shame. Look, he's a he shouldn't. The man should not be a punchline. He he's a he was a, a brilliant goalkeeper with a promising future before making a critical mistake. I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper with a promising future now, and he's going to win a cup final. Yeah, uh, I, I think the big storyline here is like one. There's definitely a lot of Manchester United fans who are getting a little cocky, which I think is never a good sign. Um, that's always sign number one. Never get too cocky uh, about uh, a, your team in a championship or cup final. That never t- t- tends to end well. But uh, this is – Eddie Howe talk, talked about this and was pretty candid about it. Of This is an opportunity for Loris to really reset a narrative that mm-hmm. has been placed upon him, whether fair or unfairly, about him in cup finals or him as a keeper as a whole. Uh, again, like Josh said, promising keeper beforehand, um, a big part of why Liverpool even made a cup final, <laughs> the the uh, Champions League final. And uh, again, like, you know, things happen and, you know, you make one mistake and you could be known for that forever. Um, but there are there. The, if you overcome these mistakes, then no one, everyone forgets about it. I, I, there, David De Gea has had his fair share of mishaps in in big, big games, but no one talks about it because. He follows it up with a, you know, man of the match performance and some other important games. So 
this is the first opportunity Karius will have to do that, and we'll just hope that he takes advantage of that for sure. Um, cool. So let's hop into it with uh, some other potential lineup notes. Um, on the Newcastle side, uh, Joe Willock is pushing to try to return and be available at least on the bench uh, uh, coming back from his injury. So, you know, maybe he's he's available, maybe he's not. Obviously, Emil Kraft is, uh, is out. Joe Ellington um, apparently has a bit of a knock, and so he's going to be taking some time to, to heal up as well. Uh, Bruno should be back from his suspension, and he is eager and ready to play. He's been doing a lot of press. He uh, He's really relishing in the opportunity to play in a cup final and make history for the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Target is actually also back in the mix now. Uh, he is going to be nearly completely fit. I cannot remember for the life of me if he was on the bench for Liverpool or not, but uh-huh. again, something else to to pay attention to. And then on the Manchester United side, side uh, Erickson's injured. Uh, Van Der Beek, of course, has been out for the season. And uh, Anthony Martial might return for this match. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but uh, Josh, is there anything um, sticking out to you lineup-wise uh, for Newcastle or Manchester United that has really got you uh, nervous or thinking or whatever? Um, the status of Wilson. Uh, he should lo- be available. Uh, yeah, is, is available for- available versus one hundred percent. You know what I mean? I want yeah. Wilson. I want Wilson at one hundred percent, and. I want Wilson at like his very best from last year, not at what he's been for like where the goal is going to come from is sort of the question we asked last week and and the week before and, and Newcastle really need that rampant tricky forward that can find goals from any angle. He has it in him to be, to to just you know to score a goal, I need that Wilson um, on the weekend. Uh, Bruno's back. Br- br- like without Bruno, we we have looked. We um, have not won without Bruno. No, no, we have since, not. I mean, since he made his actual full debut, we have not won. What and an injection of attitude and confidence Bruno brings to the pitch. It isn't just Bruno on the ball; it's Bruno off the ball. Everyone moves different when he's out there they they know he's up to something he's a he's a natural leader um well he's on the pitch in his style of play and i think it will it will give newcastle uh i think it'll give newcastle not an advantage but i think it will give them an opportunity to hang with a a very high performing manchester united team right now yeah um yeah, they, they have really started to hit their stride, Manchester United. Um, I do think Bruno also being back with fresh legs also helps. Um, but quick note for Manchester United, they actually do have a match in between uh, mm-hmm. their last match and, of course, the cup final. Uh, it's an important match, too, so I'm very curious. By the time this podcast comes out, the the game will be, will be played or... I think I'll edit this and get it out before the match is actually started. But regardless, um, I would be surprised if Manchester United did not put out a fairly healthy, like really strong team because they are tied 2-2 on aggregate. And I believe they got rid of the away goal rule as well um, with Barcelona and in, 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 uh, in Europa League play. Yes, that's Europa League. Yes. Um, in Europa League play. So, 
again, uh, if they want to guarantee Champions League football or they want to guarantee, uh, you know, if they want to win another, another silver, I think for them, the, the league is out of the question. And winning Europa League final and the EFL Cup final are probably like two things Ten Hag has on his, his checklist for a successful season. So I think they'll really go for it against Barcelona, and that could – uh, work to Newcastle's advantage if you know let's say it goes in the pens or it goes in extra time or just it's a very competitive match and you have guys who are coming off of only maybe two days rest so uh that's that's a that's a quick quick note as well um Josh do you want to get into some uh some history you want to do that first and then we can do players oh sure um yeah I just I want to go back over maybe Manchester United's recent form yeah. Um, and then we can take a look at a uh, historic match if we want to. But sure. they recently drew away to Barcelona, as you mentioned, 2-2 with a goal from Rashford, but an own goal from Koundé. Um, Rashford has five goals, uh, Sancho 2, Garnacho 1, Fernandes 1, Martial 1, Fred 2, and Casemiro 2 in like the last, what, like 7, 8, 9, 10 matches or something like that. Yeah. Um, so they're third in the table on 49 points, but only a plus 13 goal difference. And I think we're on like a plus 22 or something like that. We're like, yeah. a, like we, we, we can score goals. We're just in a funk is sort of where, where I'm leading us here. Um, yeah. They blew away Leicester on the weekend 3-0. But Leicester hung tight with them in the first half and showed that you can, you can counter, you can counter attack against Manchester United. Um, you could spring, you can spring something tricky and Gordon is, is maybe one that can spring that tricky pass or make that tricky run. There is a chance to counter against Manchester United. Um, they scored two, they shut out leads away. They drew leads two two. They beat palace two one. They beat forest in the EFL cup two nil. They beat Reading in the FA cup three one. Um, they've like, I think they only lost on January 22nd, away to Arsenal, and they mm-hmm. only have two losses in the league since before the World Cup. So they're on the same trajectory as us insofar as like not, you know, like their their unbeaten streak is similar, except for where we've had a few draws, they have a few wins in that time span, and that's why they've leapfrogged us in the table. All yeah. of this is to say that going into this match, United's form is pretty good. I'm going to... I'm going to tell you, you need to watch out for Rashford, which is like, what? Duh, right? Yeah, like, that's yeah. the stupid, duh. But Rashford, what he can do, he'll either line up on top or Vout Veghorst will line up on top. But that Fernandes will line up sort of like in that center midfield role. And he's just going to spring passes, man. He's just going to let them fly. Um, San- uh, Sancho on the right. Maybe Rashford lines up on the left and you've got Veghorst in up top. You, we don't know what we're going to get, um, but we do know that that attack is brutal. Um, so we're going to need our back line to be at their very best. This is, And how said it, at their very best, Newcastle United could beat any team in the league. So yeah. now it's time for Newcastle United to be at their very best. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will make a quick note on this unbeaten run. I think it is worth mentioning that their back line has looked sus to teams that I would say are at the same level or better than Newcastle. So 
obviously we talked about they gave it two goals to Barcelona, but Leeds, okay, yes, I get beating like a clean sheet against Leeds and Leicester. I'm sorry that that that's something that again, anyone in the top four or five should be doing at this stage in the season, given how bad those teams have 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 been this year. Okay. Uh, they actually gave up two goals to Leeds. And again, clean sheet against Forest. We talked about how Forest is better than ex- than expected, but again, I'm not I'm not gonna like praise the Man United backline like all too much for that, knowing that you know they still gave a goal to City. They they did walk away with the win. They gave a goal to Crystal Palace. They obviously gave three goals to Arsenal. So all that to say is like while the backline it may look intimidating that you see all these clean sheets and stuff um, heading into this match. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that if Newcastle continue, like they will, they will have the opportunity to create chances um, just like they were able to create chances against Liverpool. It is about being clinical and be able to finish those chances. Uh, So uh, anything you want to discuss history wise? Yeah. History wise, let's take a look at the very last time that uh, Newcastle United played in a cup final at Wembley. There was a parade. There was a parade, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was um, according to a 11v11.com uh, all-time list of matches. And then you find the Manchester United two Newcastle nil match, uh, which took place on May 22nd, 1999 um, at Wembley Stadium in front of 79,101 souls. Peter Schmeichel was in goal. For Manchester mm. United, you had the Gary Neville and Phil Neville. You had Beckham, Giggsy, Roy Keane, Scholes, Andy Cole, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, I mean, I mean, they had what a what a lineup, right? Mm. Newcastle United had uh, Steve Harper. I don't know if y'all remember Steve Harper, but well, I mean, I wasn't alive. Well, I was alive, but yes, I know <laughs> Steve Harper. Okay, <laughs> I was oh, one. So- a servant of the club. Um, yeah, but he's been there. He was there for like 20 years. So by the time you were, by the time you were 20, you would still know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Laurent Charvet, uh, Nikos Dabizas, Didier Domi, Andy Griffin, not the Andy Griffin. You're thinking of Americans, uh, Navi Solano, Deet Marhaman, uh, Tamuri Ketsabia, Rob Lee, Gary Speed, God bless soul. And Alan Shearer my very favorite player of all time. Um, it didn't go as planned. Manchester United got a first half goal from Teddy Sheringham and a second half goal from Paul uh, uh, Scholes and uh, Bobby's your uncle. They won two nil. That was the last time we were in a cup final at Wembley. Um, so fitting that we do them. Uh, we do them two uh, nil. Wow. We're going to give it, we're going to give it back the way we're going to give it back the way they gave it. Already coming in with predictions. Um, I know you mentioned your players to watch out for for Manchester United. Uh, I would tend to agree with those. Who do you think is going to be the most important Newcastle player in this cup final? And I guess you could you could rattle off two names, three names, whoever you want. Um, mm. But who do you think is going to be the most important player? Um, I think it's it really. I mean, I've alluded to it. Uh, Bruno coming back in. Bruno is. Um, essential i think it's i think he's the linchpin everything revolves around his performance i think also though uh, wilson i think wilson needs to be a monster 
and he needs to score from angles that he that he used to score from. He needs to disrupt and frustrate the back line of Manchester United to the point where maybe they get sucked into his gravity and that will unleash ASM. I think ASM is going to be rampant. I think he was only foreshadowing what he's going to do in this cup uh, in the last match where he was your player of the match. I think he's going to end up being my player of this match. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought you weren't going to say ASM. I was going to say Bruno and ASM for sure, uh, just because I think stability-wise in the midfield, I think you just need a Bruno in there mm-hmm. uh, to balance the midfield. That's been my big word for the Newcastle midfield the past couple of weeks is just the lack of balance when we play Longstaff, Joelinton, and Joe Willock. Um, it's just all a bit too similar, and there's no one who's either a true protector or a true like offensive threat to play in balls, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have to get into it. Again, I'm with you with ASM. I think this is an opportunity for him to really shine. And uh, I wouldn't say get back in good graces uh, with Newcastle fans, but I legitimately think he he could reach, and I, this is a bold statement, but I legitimately think he could reach that club I don't want to say club legend because that's a term that's thrown around a bit much, but that upper echelon of just like, all right, yeah, like we're going to be talking about Alan St. Maxman in 10, 15 years and his time at Newcastle if he's able to help deliver a cup final. Like, I mean, it just is because you think about when he was brought in, he's probably the most exciting player for Newcastle uh, in the, the few years he was, he was here prior to takeover and to stamp it off with uh, a, a good performance in the cup final. Um, I think that would, that would really put him in good graces with the fan bases for forever. If he scores or assists in this final, like I, I think he's, he's going to be in that, that conversation uh, for, you know, club club favorite. Um, and, and, and to be fair, Newcastle doesn't take crazy amount to, to be, to reach that level. Like Warren Barton, great, great guy, good friend of the program. He was a, he was a fullback and people love him because he's just yeah. a nice guy and he was he was a good player but like you know it that's all it takes if you're a good Lead. player you're pretty nice and you have some iconic yeah. moments like you, you'll you'll be a club legend in the eyes of the fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know that I maybe didn't praise him too much, but listen, I only have one, I only have one kit that has a custom name on the back. Oh, and and that is Saint Maximo. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say DeAndre Yedlin, but sure, that works too. You know how I feel about DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah, I mean, I do too. I've got the custom jersey as well, so I'm glad we see eye to eye there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy, he can get in the sea. He can get in the sea forever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, but uh, the one last thing on players, I do think one player uh, in – in UFC, Sanjay, if you haven't followed him, he's great for just some statistical stuff. He's a stats guy, but um, he did a really good deep dive on on Karius. And I do think, like, if there is one player who, like, deserves to have a good match and deserves to have influence over the match, I think it'd be Karius, like, given his history. And, I mean, it's a good point. From from all, all things considered... One, I did not realize Karius was. I don't think he's thirty yet. He might. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's thirty yet. No, he's not. Uh, like he was twenty four when he made those errors in the Champions League final, and that's how his whole career has been defined by. But outside of that, he genuinely was a very solid player for Liverpool. Um, 
He's a sweeper keeper, similar to Nick Pope. So you're not losing like that ability you know, versus like Martin Dubrovka is a completely different kind of keeper. He's not coming out for balls as aggressively as Karius or Pope will. Um, he also is pretty solid distribution wise. He's not going to play the long balls, but he's going to be completely adept filling in that role that Nick Pope has of, of being essentially an additional option um, along the back line and buildup. And then he also, this is an interesting one, his penalty save percentage is like above average. So I think uh, Sanjay has it as 16.7% of his penalties he saved in his career. And uh, the average is around 11%. Now, De Gea, granted that De Gea has seen a lot more penalties when you think about yeah. country, et cetera, but De Gea is only at 8.1%. So if it does come down to penalties, on paper, technically Newcastle do have the edge. Uh, <laughs> for sure. But I do think like if the, I think that's going to be just a player to pay attention to because if Karius is, is somewhat competent in goal and gets confident and makes a few saves early on, then I think like Newcastle, the match is there for the taking. Um, it's going to be up to the rest of the team to execute because just like the Liverpool match where Dubrovka came in and he did his job, it's going to be on Newcastle, the the rest of the team. Sorry, not Newcastle, the club. The rest of the team to do their jobs as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, finally, what's your prediction for this match? Uh, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Like, do I go with my heart or do I go with my, do I go with like, <sighs> Manchester United have been on a good run, but who have they played against? But they've showed a propensity to score and have world-class goal scorers. I think they're going to score goals, score goals. Maybe they'll get two, you know, maybe they'll get a pair of goals. I think that they have it in them. Maybe we get a pair of goals as well as well and go into extra time. I'm not quite sure if we can get three goals out of regular time. I'm just not sure that we have it in us. We haven't shown that we do. Do you know what I mean? We haven't, yeah. we haven't been able to do that on our on our side of the, the coin. But, but our defense is stout. So I'm going to say we can score two goals and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say Karius has a, a great game. Our back line does what they do and they frustrate Manchester United. We win two to one. I will say this. Um, I want this game to break the trend that has happened this season when we played Manchester United. They've been a nil nil draw and a one, one draw, both relatively boring matches. <laughs> Um, I've watched them both with actually a Manchester United fan um, here in Arizona. So I'm actually hoping that it's an exciting match. I will say this. When you get down to cup finals, it is about, and, and this is cup final in any sport, NBA finals, Super Bowl. It is about who wants it more. There's only so much you can do tactically to prepare your team. Like I think tactics wise, both managers are going to come. Both managers yeah. are going to be, they're going to adjust, but it will come down to who wants it more. And if it comes down to a battle of emotion and a battle of like, I want this more than you, I take Newcastle 1000% of the time because they play with that hunger. They play with that grit. And let's, let's be honest. This is a way bigger deal to Newcastle than to Manchester United. Manchester mm. United, I'm going to say as a whole club, fan players they do not care really whether or not they win the efl cup even if they win the efl cup they would say this season is a disappointment because if they don't win europa or they don't make top four or whatever it's a disappointment in their eyes if newcastle win an efl cup 
they could lose every single match for the rest of the season, and this is the most successful Newcastle <laughs> season in the past yeah. 20 years. Yeah. And it, that's not even like an exaggeration. No, it's not. That is how much this means to this club, this fan base, the players. I, I know uh, Dan Byrne just did an interview with, with Sky Sports, and he's talking about, like, I wish that I was a fan right now instead of a player just to soak in and enjoy this moment and to soak in the fact that, like, he has not seen a cup final in his lifetime like that he can really remember since 98-99. Sean Longstaff is the same age as me. He does not remember the last cup final. These are lifelong Newcastle fans. And so I think it's going to come down to who wants it more. And I'm taking Newcastle every single time in that metric. I, I think this team is mentally strong. Like they have the fortitude to, to if they get punched in the mouth, respond. And they will work their ass off. And I think that this is going mm. it's gonna be a oh, here's my you ready for this? Two two yeah, yeah. that goes into extra time and Newcastle come away with a three two win. I love it. I was going there. I was going there, but I didn't have the confidence that they could score in extra time. I I wanted to I add. don't I mean I think it's just gonna be a, a straight up will. Like they will will themselves to score. Like I think I'm thinking about that Everton mm. match, what two or two two or three seasons ago, where yeah. they were down two nil and Florian Lejeune, uh, legend, uh, Florian Lejeune, uh, like they willed their way back into turning that two nil loss into a two two draw. Like that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about for, yeah. for Newcastle. I think the the worst thing that could have happened to Manchester United was Liverpool beating Newcastle this week. Yeah. Um, I think what's going to result in that in training is a, a real batten down the hatches coaching scenario with Eddie Howe and his technical staff analyze how Manchester did it. They're going to take a look at that kryptonite that Eric Ten Hag exploited and they're going to batten down the hatches on that. I don't see um, Manchester United getting loose on on Newcastle the way that that um Liverpool was able to. I know that they have the players, they have the technical and and athletic players that they could, but I just feel like Newcastle so well organized defensively that um they I think that they can really hold Manchester to only one or two goals. And they're going to spring a. They're going to spring some really exciting counters. This is going to be the thing with cup finals is, is sometimes it doesn't really. It's not really about technically who's a better team. Oh, yeah. um, it's it's a very it's a cagey match and it's it's a it's a game of moments, and and not necessarily a game of complete strategic planning, but just a game of moments where it's very cagey and it's very shut down. And there's going to be flurries of activity and there's going to be a handful of those and it's really how those pan out that's going to determine this match yeah yeah for sure um all right yeah well i think that's all we have for that there's one more thing uh the uh the refs association did have to confirm that the the man in the middle david coot uh (laughs) is not in fact a manchester united fan as a fake image was going around saying that he was a man U fan so we got that out of the uh, out of the way. The center ref is not a Manchester United fan. I think he's actually a Forest fan. So uh, there you go. Ooh, there we go. In case you were wondering, uh, um, 
but yeah, uh, you know, again, best of luck to the lads. Um, uh, regardless of the result, we'll, we'll of course have our reaction, our podcast for you next week. Um, again, stay tuned into the site. Uh, I know that Antonio and the squad have a lot of stuff uh, coming up in the works. And then, of course, stay tuned to us online. Um, I, you know, inshallah, am not working this weekend, any sort of event. So I should have my full attention to tweeting out memes during this match and um, biting my nails until my nails don't exist. Um, Josh, once again, thanks for hopping on. To, oh, uh, I love to, it. Yeah. I, I'm, thank you so much for having me. Again. Well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, it's like every week now. I yeah, well, you're putting you're putting up with me real good, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, well, uh, that's all we got for you. Um, it's been another episode of CHN Radio. I'm Elijah. That's Josh. Away the lads, and uh, we love you. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher tends to the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity. And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wing I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wing I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park At the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home